Can you say hard hats, folks? Hard hats, lunch pails, steel toe boots? Anything short of a championship this year is a failure. Son, look at this boomer right here. You've just got so much talent here. Somebody said we need to apologize for Jalen. Can I call the John? What are we apologizing for? What did we say? What did we do? <laughs> Oh boy, we have a lot to unpack in this one. Welcome in everybody, it's Jimmy Toscano here with the real Bobby Manning and the one and only Ashrod Blakely. After a 133-131 Celtics loss to the Indiana Pacers, this was an unreal game from start to about the finish. Uh, I think you have to backtrack a few seconds because unfortunately um, a lot went down that we're going to try to breakdown here for everybody i know people are filing in and there's probably a lot of heated uh people here watching the show um after a controversial uh overturned call on a jalen brown baseline jumper that um originally and we got already from joe missoula here jimmy said buddy heel told him he followed brown yeah well so Spoiler alert, Bobby. Jeez, I was trying to uh, bring us into this here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I imagine everybody on watching the show knows what happened. But Jalen Brown goes up for a um, you know a potentially uh, game game winning game. Yeah, game go ahead. Yeah, baseline. Go ahead, basket. Go ahead, jump. Go ahead. Yeah, right. Yeah, go ahead, basket, and gets called. Uh, foul gets called on him. Um, the play gets challenged by the Pacers, and the replay specifically sh- or clearly shows that Buddy healed while going up to block Jalen Brown's shot. While he did touch the ball, his arm hit the back of Jalen Brown's head. Plain as day, the broadcast saw it. Scalabrini was, uh, you know, never been more sure of himself that <laughs> Jalen Brown was going to line for two, and sure enough, the refs overturned the call. Um, we don't know why yet. Um, I imagine we're going to get some answers, I would hope. We don't know if there's going to be a pool report from this one, Sherrod. But um, there is going to be the last two-minute report that will come up the next day. A lot of good that's going to do, right? It's not going to change the outcome. Um, you know. And so, frustrating one. Um, we'll start there, uh, Bobby. I'll, I'll, and, and there's a lot more to this game and to the ending than this. But obviously, this is the thing that everybody wants to talk about right now. Um, so, Bobby, your thoughts? Yeah, certainly. Uh, <laughs> Buddy Hield admitting he followed him. It's tough to get a better uh, affirmation than that on what happened on that play. The refs obviously said uh, in the review there that the contact with the ball happened first you know, from behind there. I, I can't pull up exactly what the call was initially on the floor, but obviously they looked at it and uh, went with the block. Uh, however they called that, Brown just ends up missing there. So... It's it's a tough call, certainly, especially looking back on it over and over again here. But you go down the other end, you have an opportunity to stop and force overtime. I know you didn't love the contest, Jimmy, getting in too close by Porzingis on Matherin. Pretty clear foul call there, and you end up losing the game at the free throw line. A pretty good lob play after with next to no time on the clock for Cornette uh, to potentially tie it there after. But that was just three plays, and... What honestly was one of the first times this season I felt like the Celtics looked down on the competition and let their foot off the gas and relax. The defense in that third quarter, just atrocious. Would they give a 40 there? I know that's what Joe's probably going to talk about, but he's pretty upset about the call too, obviously, uh, looking at his press conference there. But Halliburton goes down in this game, 
and you get outscored by about double digits the rest of the way. You lose this third quarter by 11, tie the fourth. Uh, it's it's not great. You, you got to play better defense than that. I thought some of the schemes they went to didn't work very well, uh, and especially on the glass and uh, in transition and stuff. They got out-hustled uh, down the stretch of this game, ignored key guys on the Indiana side that burned them. This wasn't a great performance, and it's always the case, but I think especially in this one, this this had a lot more to do with the middle portion of the game than how the game ended. Sure, I did, I, I want to go before we break down the whole game. I just I do want to focus on just the end here. So just your thoughts on you know the last few plays, the Celtics decision to go to Jalen Brown on those back to back to possessions. There, your thoughts on Brown's shot selection and I guess the the call or the non call. Well, first and foremost, uh, it shouldn't have came down to those last two or three minutes. Uh, the Celtics, even without Jason Tatum, should have won this game. Uh, when you look at the missed free throws, you look at the missed opportunities, you missed, you look at the, the blown assignments defensively. Uh, there's countless mistakes that they made in the second half that put them in the in the predicament where you needed the referees to see what 99.9% of the rest of us saw, which was Jalen Brown getting hit on the head. Now, was it a smack him outside the head, knock him on his ass type of foul? No, but <laughs> the multiple replays that, that I saw on TV and the ones that the broadcasters who were watching the game mm-hmm. saw, and I'm not talking about Scott, I'm talking about both Indiana, they're, they're our radio folks as well as the Celtics. Everyone pretty much thought that Jalen was going to the line to shoot a couple of free throws. And the, the foul on uh, Porzingis at the end, that was a no-brainer. I mean, he, he mm-hmm. clearly was in the guy's uh, space, and he, he fouled. And that was a legit call. But uh, to me, the, the, and, and again, I, I've, been, I've been singing this tune for a while, and I, I wish that at some point the NBA would step in and do something about this. When referees make mistakes, that means they're human. I get it. But there are certain mistakes – that are blatantly obvious, just like when you hit a guy between his legs as a player, you're going to get fined for that, right? Mm-hmm. But if, let's say, I'm reaching for right. a and there's a scrum <laughs> down there and, and I just accidentally maybe elbow you down there, you're probably not going to get a fine for that because that's a that's a – it just happened to go that way. Mm-hmm. Missing this call is – it's egregious. This is <laughs> – how do you miss this call? Uh, when, literally, when literally everyone else who saw that call, who had a p- comment on it, whether you were for the Pacers or against the Pacers, felt that he fouled them. And the man who got away with the call admitted to Jamazola right. and those guys that he found real. And, and, so can- when you, and so when the two minute report comes out and it says, that, oh, you know, we got that call wrong. There should be more than just a my bad for the rest. Right. There should be some punitive punishment for blowing a call like this. And this is the problem with not just the NBA, but the NFL now, too. They've. They've basically scared players and coaches and everybody, and they find them enough where these guys feel like they can't say anything. And there are no repercussions. What, what was the repercussions for the officials uh, in the Cowboys Lions game when the when the officials right. blew that one right? right and and the Lions players after the game they knew exactly who reported it and when and why and how and they still felt like they couldn't say boo about it because they were scared about you know what was going to happen to them if they said the wrong thing the NBA I don't know Jalen Brown hopefully said he might say something after the game but again is he going to get fined for telling the truth yeah so it's like exactly he so will. you don't even know what you can say anymore but it, it's pretty obvious that that was a missed call and it's one thing to miss it live but to go to a review, to go to a review, and the call on the floor and overturn it, yeah. then you have to it. overturn right. it on right. top of it. 
So it's always frustrating me, Jimmy, with the NBA replay. I feel like NFL leans more toward the play on the field. I don't know if that's necessarily the rule in the NBA, Sherrod. It it probably should be that Mm -hmm. the call on the court gets the benefit of the doubt there. And there's certainly nothing inconclusive about that replay that says no foul. Uh, Plenty of contact there on the head to suggest a foul. And I'm sure, as we mentioned in the uh, two-minute report, that they're going to say it was a foul there. But it's tough for me to focus on that too much in, in a game like We're this. We're not going to focus on it for the whole time, obviously, but we do have to talk about it, Bobby, because that's, I mean, yeah, that's I mean, what, that everything, be, that's what yeah. everyone's hot on right now. So we're that's not going to start. The elephant in the room we're not going to go back to the, yeah, we're not going to go back to the beginning of the third quarter and break down like the defense, right, to start the show. But we will get to all that. But to end the show, I mean, Joe Mazzul is obviously hot about it. I guarantee you, every single player that gets interviewed, the first thing, the first question they're going to be asked is about this play, and so. We have to talk about it. So I think it was good for us to get it out of the way. Now, is it the reason they lost? No. Not the only reason they lost. No, but it was a factor, but it wasn't the only reason. Of course. And and like you said earlier, Sherrod, it shouldn't have gotten to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things, and, and again, if we're going to talk about the foul that wasn't, um, we should talk about the shot. I, I hated the shot to begin with. And when the whistle was blown, I, I was like, wow, that's a bailout before I saw the yeah. replay. Um I didn't think it was I didn't think either possession from Jalen Brown was a smart one. And it's and not just because he missed, but both shots were with people in his face, off balance, um, rushed. And it almost feels again, remind me, this is supposed to be the best starting lineup in the NBA. And I know they didn't have Tatum tonight, which is a big part of that, but there are options on this team. Why does it just assume that the ball has to go to Jalen Brown? It was like the broadcast basically said, Well, I guess you're going to Jalen Brown here. See, Why? Here's Why is the that problem, the case? Here's the problem I, I have with that. And, and, and you know, Jimmy, I, I'm not a big analytics guy. I, I understand their value and they do have a purpose. But the one analytics number that I do tend to pay attention to, particularly with the Celtics, is who performs in a clutch? When games are tight, late in the game, who's their best clutch player? And the eye tests and the analytics tell me the same thing. It's Derek freaking White. Derek yeah, freaking White, he's he is your best player in the clutch. I don't understand why you are not running sets that give him the ball with 10 seconds or less on a shot clock. That's what I want because I know in that moment he's going to make the right decision. That doesn't mean he's always going to score, but he's going to make the right basketball play. And he's been with this team long enough. He's proven himself many, many times that he is the best fit. For that. And it, it it drives me mad when I see that. And I love Jalen. He's a great player. He's he look, all the praise that Jalen has earned through the years is just that. He's earned that. But mm-hmm. damn it, when it, when I got the game on the line, I need one basket or one play that's gonna get us over the hump. I want Derek White to make that call. Why? Because he is literally statistically <laughs> and eye test wise the best player with ball handling skills in that situation. I don't, I don't understand. I keep telling myself that maybe Joe was just giving guys this, you know, equal opportunity, democratic, little D democratic way of doing this and that he's saving Derek white for the playoffs. And, and, and Derek's going to be the guy in, in late game situations in the playoffs. And there's a part of me that says that would be really, really a very utopian like way of looking at this, but that ain't reality. 
This is this is who they are. They're going to lean on Tatum and Brown in those end of the game, late game situations because for three quarters they've been either the first, second, third best player on the floor. But when the game is at when all the chips are at the center of the table and I got one hand to play, I want that hand to be the one that Derek White is playing. Yeah, and honestly, all three of their biggest concerns for Rod honestly reared their head in this game. You're down two rotation players. You didn't get great play from the bench in this one. I thought Pritchard was solid, but other guys were Pritchard really just got fine. outsparked tonight. I hate to say it. He got outsparked. Sorry. He got by his Doppelinger. Yep. Yeah, Mr. Indiana's Indiana's bench owned them tonight. So that's one concern out of this game. Second, the lack of free throw attempts, certainly in this one, another issue uh, for the Celtics. They just continue to struggle to exploit that against this Indiana team. Uh, you know, they finished with 29, but early in that first half, it took them a while to get going there, and then they missed nine. So you couldn't beat them at the free throw line. That was certainly another area where you could have taken advantage of Indiana in this game. Uh, and then the late game offense, as you mentioned there, Sherrod. Why stop running offense in those situations? And I know Missoula called the timeout to rein in one possession there, but Brown again after that comes right out after seemingly hurting himself on that play. I know it was his left arm, but it goes right into a spot up pull up two in Neesmith's yep. face, misses right. it, the play before the foul play there. Right. Yeah, and the last the, two possessions that they had. Yeah, and then the Pacers go down the floor uh, you know, score, and then Brown comes back up and Takes what that shot with three and, guys and around him. And, and, and here's the thing. I, I, I want to be absolutely crystal clear when, when I say this. Uh, my issue isn't with how Jalen played. My issue is that they didn't go to Derek White. That's my issue. It's about Derek White and how in those late game critical situations, you don't lean on the one player who is consistently delivered in those moments, who from an analytics standpoint delivers in those moments from watching this damn team play delivers in those moments and it's it's first that for me is my where my frustration is at with this one it isn't the fact that the refs screwed the celtics down the stretches isn't the fact that indiana got some home cooking type calls that stuff happens so what it is what it is my issue is the celtics you need to focus on what you can control and you absolutely can control who is carrying you down the stretch and yes Jalen had a great game and he made big shots he was efficient he did all those things but why should you just go to that when you got a guy who, in this moment, he's your best player? And until he goes to a stretch where he's not that guy, I'm, I, I want to lean on Derek in those moments. Yeah, he's, giving yeah. me, he's giving me no reason not to lean on him. Yeah, and, and just to piggyback off that, even if it's not Derek White, it, it shouldn't just be automatically – Jalen Brown or automatically Jason Tatum. There, there should be options. There should be option A, option B. Run a play, get a guy open off the inbounds. They, they're great off. Tatum's in the plays. chat. Tatum's in the chat. There he is. Um, I'll read this since it's up here. Bobby, the point is, the point is, it was a blatant blown call that potentially decided the game. Everything else from before that doesn't matter when the ref swings the outcome of the game. Sure, bad shot. I don't care. Um, so that's that's uh, Tatum. That is our our chat Tatum's opinion. I'm sure it's not shared by everybody, and, and it does matter. It does, <laughs> it matter, does matter what happens up to that point. Sure, yeah. that and that in a vacuum, yes, that matters. But everything that leading up to that point matters too. And if again, they shoot better from the free throw line, we're probably talking about a different right. game. If if they executed two three more plays better on defense, where they got to right. stop instead of giving up a bucket, it's a different game. So yeah, right. everything it, that stuff does matter. Um, and then again, it all like, matters. And, and, you know, White missed some shots tonight, but he, you know, 
he's still doing the right things out there, especially late in the game. Porzingis missed some bunnies tonight, but give it, give Porzingis a shot with the ball in the post. He was so shooting over guys left and there, right Jimmy. tonight. All, all the way down the stretch, he just hit everything again. And yeah. when he drew fouls, he drained the free throws. It, he, was bullying ball. Incompre- he was playing bully ball. It's just incomprehensible to not run offense in these late-game situations, just fly up the court and launch up a shot without even passing it once. And that's on Brown. I, I know you'll get on Joe, and he certainly could step in in these situations. But we know what his mindset and approach is. Let these guys handle it now so they can learn a mentality for later. And Brown in that situation just took two awful shots. And you can nitpick the foul call there. It's a bad shot. There's no way around it. I think three guys were flying around him, healed from behind, and Matherin in front of him. And I think another guy was coming in from the side. They're just brutal shots in that situation. And this is another game, Jimmy, where they lose in crunch time. I think they've only lost one game outside of crunch time all year. And their seven other losses here came down the stretch of games. So they have good numbers in those situations. I feel like they've overall played well in those spots this year. But you have just as many situations effectively here where they haven't the ones that come down to a possession are too late you know i think i'll probably parse through some of those here tonight to see how many of them actually came down in the last couple possessions here Uh, but you had something that was working there jimmy with porzingis yep and letting him attack mismatches and you completely bail out the pacers by playing one-on-one offense in those situations that's not what got you in the position to win this game Right. When you start to play head down, you know, hero ball, ISO mode, it's, it's again, you're not going to get away with it. I want to um, follow up with a question. You're talking about how the Celtics got away from things that were working for them and maybe went in the wrong direction late in games. The NFL season is wrapping up and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. Now, the app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. 
visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Is this a Joe loss? I'll ask you first, Sherrod. Is this a, is this one that we can pin on Missoula? Not just for the last few possessions, but you can go back to the beginning of the fourth quarter. I, I don't necessarily agree with the lineup choices that he went with in that fourth quarter. I know you got to give guys rest, but do you have to give Brown, Porzingis, Hall? Do those guys all have to sit together for an extended period of time? Could those have maybe been spaced out a little bit? Um, if in, you know, in like, theory, in theory, you could have. But the way they again, let McConnell run around them, I mean. You know, but Jimmy, the, the, here's the thing: in in this particular game, when you're missing two rotational players with with Hauser and Tatum out, I think you probably do some funky things with your rotation that you normally wouldn't do because you'd have those guys available and the domino effect that having them available creates. So I, I don't know if I would put this one on Joe individually. I think that there was a good a bit of blame pie to go around with this one. Oh, uh, certainly, yeah. I think I mean Joe gets some of that. Uh, I think Jalen who had a oh, hold on, Sherry, let's play. All right. Let's play the blame pie. Here we are. We've got an updated blame pie for this loss specifically, guys. As you can see, we've added Adam Silver to the mix. We've added the referee, the official who blew the call. He's there in the blue. We've got Missoula. We've got – I don't know why Porzingis is on the claim. Oh, yeah, because of the foul at the end of the game. Yeah. So we've, we've got a few options here. Um, take your slice, Sherrod. I would say if I had to give a big a big slice to any one of these folks, wait, wait is that is that Z? That's, that's me. Yes. What the hell is he? You know, he barely uh, got on the floor. He gets blamed because he's part of that rotation that he's part of that lineup that shouldn't have been in there in the fourth quarter. Let's screw it. You know what? I, he actually played. If, if I if I had to give a big a, the biggest slice of this to, I would probably give it to uh, Missoula. Uh, just because, again, I don't okay. think he was fully to blame, but I, I think there are certain buttons that he he neglected to push that might have been key to them getting over this. I, it's I'm interesting, gonna... too. Some of the looks they went to in the zone, I thought, allowed Pacers to get on the offensive glass. Um, yeah, you, you certainly weren't having any success ignoring certain guys. I know you had the back and forth there between Andrew Nemhard and Joe. It sounded like that was stemming from the Celtics kind of ignoring him out there with Luke Cornett through those stretches and Nemhard didn't kill them but other guys did when they played away from them Matherin at the three-point line in this one was amazing he He had his shot going and yeah not enough coverage on him as he got going here in this game other guys Turner on the offensive glass um Jalen Smith on those post-ups hurt them at points. So they were off balance all night defensively, and they couldn't find an answer. So that's probably what you pin on Joe. So are you are you taking the Joe slice? Or what slice are you probably taking? The I got to get this blame pie off the screen at some point. Probably the biggest. <laughs> Just eat the damn pie, Bobby. Come on. He probably gets the biggest. I mean, Jalen, he's I, right there with Joe, though. I, I mean, it's a phenomenal scoring night, right? And it's one of the best we've seen from him in terms of just hitting tough shots and getting to the line look, and dominating mismatches. But you go into the fourth quarter, and I don't know what he finished with, but he went into the fourth quarter with one assist and five we turnovers. Got, we got mm-hmm. Jalen's stat line. I'll toss it up here. He had a 40-point night. 17 for 26, 40 points. Uh, I, I, can't give, I can't give him a huge slice of game play because he literally no. kept him in the game. 
I'm not giving um, him the blame. I'm not, I mean, he doesn't nah, get he doesn't get I, the blame pie, but he deserves to be on in in the pie because of I think the decision making, the shot selection decision making yeah. in the game. It's not his fault that the call was overturned. Yeah. Um, and you know maybe he. How about the bench? They're up there too. Put him. Put him yeah, on. Yeah. Well, I think I think Svi was was uh, he, well, well he's representing he's the, the face. Bench. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's the, he's the Even face though he came in and got two offensive rebounds, but those were. See that's messed. See line. that's messed up that he's the face considering he played the least amount of minutes. <laughs> By the way, those <laughs> were Oso, Delano Benton. Those were also in his 16th game, his first four free throw attempts of the year. So he, he probably missed, hasn't. He missed one, I think. Right. He missed, oh, he, two. Missed oh, he missed There you yeah. go. So that's why he's gotten the blame pie. But it's to me, it is a Joe game. And it's for all the reasons you guys mentioned. And it, it's not just the final few plays and, and, or anything like that. It's they got into a bit of a track meet, Bobby, again. And, yep. and, yeah. and that is what they didn't do on uh That's Saturday. why John didn't show up tonight. <laughs> exactly. This is exactly what they, they, they should not have done that second half. They and played they, they didn't throw the game. Yeah, they, they point shootouts started to happen, and you just it's hard to go toe-to-toe with these guys, man. That's why they're the top of the offensive efficiency list, and they're historically good at it. You can't fight fire with fire in that situation, and the Celtics got away. And again, maybe we're seeing a little bit of J- of, of Jason Tatum's value in another in another area on the defensive side of things, right? Because we do know what he's capable of uh, at points when he does focus on that defensive end, and and the Celtics didn't have that tonight. Now, we'd be remiss to mention, or not to mention, that the Pacers lost their MVP player in the middle of this one in mm-hmm. Tyrese Halliburton. And we don't know the extent of that injury. We're obviously hoping for the best because we don't want to see anybody go down, especially an electric right electric player like him and you know a favorite i think of a lot of nba fans mm-hmm. um and so he left the game in the second um pretty 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 ugly um you know just did a basically a a, a a split you know and really i think what they call a strained left hamstring it was the official mm-hmm. injury designation so i guess we'll have to find out what grade strain that is but he had to be carried off the court and uh they even put a t- they put a towel over his head so it was it was sad to see that happen, but the door was wide open for the Celtics at that point. Yeah, so they went up what eleven right after that. Yeah, and then what happened in that second half? The Pacers go on their run. McConnell comes into the game and oh, he, starts, he caught them off guard. He starts he? a track meet out there. He's running laps yeah. around Porzingis. I mean, if you want to put Porzingis on the blame pie, that'd be one one aspect well, that, of it. it. Was a defensive well, end. Yeah, and that's what Indiana they that that's something that Rick Carlisle has recognized in their scouting report that causes the Celtics problems. When they run their offense and they get that matchup where McConnell is being guarded by Porzingis, it's hell for Porzingis yeah. to try to keep up with him. And and you know, TJ does what TJ does. He either makes them pay with a bucket at the rim, which should never happen, or a short jumper, or he finds someone else because the Celtics are scrambling to try to keep him from just running all over the damn place. Uh, this, you know, this is a we we're going to lock in on the officiating and the impact that that had on this game. But there were there were troubling signs well before that that the Celtics needed to address. That those things put them in a position where it was a game when, frankly, when Halliburton went out, that was when you should have put your your you know the back heel on their neck and just put this team away and just absolutely batter them. Uh, and that didn't happen. 
I thought the worst stretch of the game was the end of the third there. And Joe's talked about the end mm-hmm. of quarters. They had a pretty bad end of the second on Saturday. Yeah. That could have cost them, but they give up a heel three. Porzingis drops a rebound out of bounds, and they get a top and alley-oop to tie the game. So a nice 5-0 push for Indy there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Smith blocked Jalen, and Brissett took an awful foul in the backcourt uh, after the block there. So they get two free free throws off of that. Uh, Brown turns it over on the inbounds right after that. Uh, I don't know what the hell happened there, but they give it right back to Indy, and then McConnell hits another two. So mm-hmm. Indy takes a four-point lead there on a what, 7-0 push. So that, as much as the end of the fourth, cost you the game too. They had some just brutal stretches defensively in this game. The turnovers were out of control. How many did they end up with? Um 15. 15 or so, so, so you had a yeah. nice little stretch at the end of December where you weren't turning it over as much, and they got out of control with it there, too. I mean, there's just reasons up and down why you lost this game. And when Halliburton goes down, I want to look at his on-off numbers. But they were I minus like, four, I mean, with him on the floor in this game, and it was limited minutes. So it's not like his presence was absolutely getting it done. For but him. this is a team, Sherrod, that I feel like relies on him more than any other team relies on their star. I mean, we remember when he sat in Boston, the Celtics beat them by like 50. So he goes down and you have a golden opportunity from the shock alone on the other side of seeing that injury for Indiana to extend the lead. And they did, but then they just came out in the third, Jimmy. And I can't think of any other reason why they slipped up there other than, oh, Hal Burton's out, we're good. Yeah, they just thought Indiana was going to roll over. And and I, I don't know what the hell made them think that because – this team, the way they're built, the way they play with or without Halliburton, that's just not who they are. This coach, the way he coaches teams, that's not what Rick does. Uh, his teams don't just show up uh, and, you know, suffer, set back and call it a day. They keep fighting. And th- again, we go back to the blame pie. That's where your coach has to tell you, has to, if he doesn't tell you, he has to show you the importance and value of, okay, this is our moment to put this damn game away. I know we got a quarter and some change left to play, but this moment we need to get dirty. We need to be feisty. We need to put this team in their place. We're the best team in the damn NBA. Now it's mm-hmm. time to show it. We can't talk about it. We got to show it now. Right. And they didn't. They, they didn't have whatever mojo they needed to remind them that, this Indiana team may be down their best player, but they are a wounded. They are a wounded team, and wounded. Those are some of the scariest opponents you can face because you Remember? literally have no idea how they're going to come. They they have nothing to lose at that point, and that's a scary opponent. You know what? Remember Saturday, Sherrod, the physicality Boston played with offensively, yeah. and they had moments in this game. But this Indiana team is so bad defensively again. You can get a mismatch on any play with any guy. And I felt like they took Heald out of this game attacking him. He, he had a pretty rough night. But Matherin, that's a guy you probably could have attacked more and made him work and fatigued him so he wouldn't kill you on the offensive end. Uh, I felt like they let other guys on the lineup up and down there just go free offensively. I mean, defensively. And when you're running offense that's just attacking head on you're not good putting guys in actions you're not making the defense work and that's the story of this game for me is that they weren't able to make some of the guys further down the lineup work there like you know uh brown or matherin or some of the guys off their bench that's the difference in this game especially in the second units and on obviously you're putting bench units out there jimmy that don't have the same kind of facilitating and scoring ability that you'd have at full strength 
I think that's pretty obvious. A big part of this loss is probably missing Hauser and Tatum alone. Uh, but you still had Brown. You still had Holiday. You still had White, as Sherrod mentions. White definitely underutilized in this game. To I be mean, able to I- make guys work and foul and just be uncomfortable. I thought this was a really good holiday game. I didn't think this was oh, a- that was one of his best games. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I mean, when you talk about other options tonight, at least holiday is an option. White to me tonight, he didn't have it, which is fine. And maybe that was part of the reason why they were pretty dead set on going to Brown. Brown got them to that point in the game and they were going to either win it or lose it with Brown. I didn't like the shot selection on the la- on his last shot. Again, foul aside. He dribbled it into the basically into the corner and then had to rush a shot up with you know guys in his face. So that's the knock on Brown. It's not it's not the forty points and everything that he did to get them there. Um, but I, I just think that there were other options. Now, if you want to really talk yeah, about yeah, one it, assist, Jimmy, through three quarters. But that's and again, you know what? And I've said this, and I don't want to talk. I don't want to have an assist discussion tonight. Because <laughs> we've killed that over the last month or two. He's not a passer. He's not a, guard, a point guard. He's not a distributor. He's not a facilitator. Let's stop trying to make him one and, and getting upset when he isn't. Jalen Brown should score you 40 points before he should give you 10 assists. So if we can all just be happy with that, then we can move forward and, and not get into these debates about if he's a good passer or not. That's not his game. Right. His game is to score 40 points and dunk on your head. So everyone should just be happy when he does that and not worry about – the hockey assists and the potential assists and try to justify well, him being at this great passer. He's not. And that's okay. Right. And you're right, Jimmy. I, I, the thing I would have liked to have seen, and the reason I, I keep bringing Derek White's name up is because Derek is a great facilitator setup right. guy for involved. his teammates. And that's what, that, that was my point with Derek that he should have been involved, more involved in that final play. I would love to have seen him and Jalen run some type of pick and roll action or some action where Derek was attacking and Jalen would be in position where his defender would either stay with Jalen or converge on Derek White, which would allow Derek to do what he does well and give Jalen a chance to do what he does well, particularly well this night, which was make shots. That was my issue with Jalen. Jalen always gets in trouble when he dribbles too much or when he decides that I'm going to shoot come hell or high water, even if there are three defenders. I mean, you go back and look at, you know, those shots down the stretch. None of them were great looks. And if you go back and look at the way he'd been playing for the most part, he was getting great looks and making Indiana pay for that. So if you're if they're not giving you great looks, maybe you shouldn't take that shot. Maybe you should, mm-hmm. I don't know, kick it to the guy who's top of the key wide open named Derek White, who is who at that point was more than overdue to knock down an open shot if he got an opportunity to. Um, but again, I would have liked to have seen Derek more involved in late game activity and action with Jalen. Taking advantage of his skills as a setup man slash playmaker and making the most of Jalen, you know, having an obviously really good, nice scoring the ball. Right, and the and the other thing we haven't really touched upon yet, and again, I, I don't. This was a great game. I mean, yeah, it was great. Tatum out, Halliburton out. These guys were going toe to toe. You know, the fourth quarter was super entertaining. I think it did come down to the bench ultimately, Bobby. Um, when you look at the production from the Pacers bench tonight, that was the difference. I mean, they were the ones who really stepped up in their star's absence. So you go down the line, uh, Mathurin, McConnell, and Heald. I mean, those three guys greatly outplayed anybody uh, that came off the Celtics bench tonight. And again, they're missing a couple players, but I don't care. Uh, so this is an interesting th- discussion a month out from the trade deadline. Do you have enough depth here if you're down one or two guys right. in the playoffs? Particularly when you're not even sure if you're top-end depth. 
is ready for the postseason between Hauser, Cornette, and Pritchard, who don't have a long run of playoff success. Pritchard has uh, that 2022 run where he played, but Hauser and Cornette haven't played playoff basketball at all. And then down the line, you'd be very worried if any of those guys got into a playoff Well, you've got to be healthy. If they're not healthy, it's over. You know? Right, but you, you, you do potentially need one guy who could be insurance. And that's what Mike Mascala was last year, right? If Rob was going to go down... Their plan was to put him in the mix, and oh, it never happened. Everybody but. drink Muscala <laughs> reference. <laughs> no, but, I mean, a month out from the deadline, seeing a game like this I think is important. And probably a reason why the Celtics rest in a place like this is can your depth step up and sustain with multiple guys out? And obviously Tatum's an extreme example. If Tatum's down, you're done. Uh, but, you know, how's it going down? You put Banton in, in that first half, and he was a disaster. Three quick fouls. I think he had a miss inside. Hey, they couldn't go back to him again. And then Svi, you know, played with some energy there, but a the couple of free throw misses. So uh, that was tough. Cornette, one of four. He was fu- he was okay. Not, not Nothing great. Easy. At times bad defensively. So this wasn't a great matchup for him. And, you know, you might see Indiana in the playoffs. So all of a sudden you don't, oh have, a, you don't have a depth center who uh, can give you good minutes there. So... It's going to be interesting, Jimmy, and we've had this debate over and over again. They're probably fine at full strength. I don't think they need to make a move. But what can you anticipate happening down the line? You probably need to add that. But that we've win. kind of talked about the fact that they can't really. So The way that, the way that it shakes out, they, they'd have to trade, like, what, three or four of their bench guys, including Pritchard? Or, I mean, you've that's what you've – I think you've – kind of yeah if you're gonna go and get a and by the way i have no qualms with trading pritchard my point is you're gonna trade three or four guys on your bench you already have a thin bench i mean we're they're gonna be they're gonna be looking for guys off the street at some point if they if they trade too many more of these guys right i don't think you can do that and i know jake fisher threw out their uh interesting chris boucher I think like Olenek, I think like Isaiah Stewart, just too expensive. Too expensive. You, you, can't, right. you can't give up a Pritchard for a center. So you're looking for, I think, the Grant-level TP guy. And it's going to be like a Fontecchio, a Conchar. It's going to be one of those guys that you really never even heard of or think about, but might be important if they can give you some minutes there on the back end. But the I, I think what's tough for the Celtics right now, Sherrod, is that they really do like these bench guys. And many of them have been playing well. Honestly, I thought Brissett got off to a really good start in this game and then missed free throws and shots killed him. So Brissette's that's a fine guy. line, right? That's an energy guy, yeah. though, right? Well, I mean, he's going to come in there and play defense and grab some rebounds and try to keep some plays alive, second chance well, opportunities. But he's not a guy, Bobby or Sherrod, that's going to come in like – you know, Mathurin did tonight and drain threes in your face and well, right. drop 26 on your head out of nowhere and, and fill in commendably for the star player and w- the basically problem, win them the game. The problem for their, their bench guys for the Celtics, I think the, the biggest problem is that they come here, they look who's ahead of them and they see, okay, he does X, Y, Z, one, two, and three. So my role is going to be this. And when the opportunity to step outside of that role, like tonight, they don't seem comfortable making that change. Like on a, if, if, if I am Brissette and I know that Tatum is out, I know that, you know, uh, Sam is out. I'm probably going to look for ways to get some points when I'm out there, whether it, and that doesn't mean I'm taking a bunch of shots from three point range, but that hustle plays that I make, 
you know, when I grab the offensive rebound and I kick it back out or the defensive rebound that I will, you know, I might start the break myself and get it up the half court to Drew quick. And then we run our offense quicker and maybe I'll get it back. I'm going to do something different and in theory, because what they need from me in that moment is different. And there seems to be a disconnect when these players have opportunities to play more significant minutes to tweak whatever role that they're, they're usually in to the role that they need to be in. They, they seem to struggle making that transition. Whereas you so look at that a team was like my the, point. These are mm-hmm. all good complimentary guys for us, yeah. but they're not depth filling guys. If you do lose a piece or two here in the playoffs, if you want a big get- meal, these are nice side dishes, but this is not the steak. This is not the caviar. This is not the leftover. You know, and we said that with Cornette too, in all our debates, like mm-hmm. when he's your third depth guy, it's awesome. And I think he's really good, but if he's filling in for Horford and Porzingis, mm-hmm. you're done. So listen, Jimmy, you're right. You have a top heavy team. That's how you built this roster this year. Great. Everybody understands that, but I also think you have to position yourself if something did happen for even one game in the playoffs, right? Some guys, you know, just recovering from a bumper bruise the night before and just really can't give it a go, or he's really struggling to play through something. You don't have guys that you can turn to further down the lineup to step up and fill in those positions, Uh, at least two down. Like one down, you can probably survive outside of Brown and Tatum. Two guys like you were tonight – gets really difficult because you're playing Shvi, you're playing Banton, you're playing Brissett big minutes. So this is a tough Ish. spot for those guys who I think have overall fared well this year. But tonight against a tricky matchup. A tricky think, matchup. It's a good team. They're just yeah. a good team. We no, don't but need this to, is a we tricky don't need matchup for them it. too, Jimmy. Well, why? Because they just play up-tempo they space and running out, the up-tempo. Yeah. And right, the way they guard too. Good. Yeah. I know Carlisle was talking about Sherrod, but – they did some really good things defensively on mm-hmm. Saturday that I felt like tricked the Celtics who want to drive and kick, but mm-hmm. the Pacers are leaving that rim open more often than not. Mm-hmm. And the Celtics don't feel super comfortable taking that. It feels like they want to be able to drive and kick and produce threes. Mm-hmm. Joe had, and if we're going to put anything on Joe in a situation like this, it's the adaptability to be able to go inside aggressively and credit to Brown, right? He did that on Saturday. He mm-hmm. did that tonight. But no one else on the roster looks super comfortable going to that outside of Porzingis when they got him the ball. So this is a weird matchup, Jimmy. This would be a very challenging playoff series for them. Oh my uh, you gosh. Know, depending this would on be how worst case scenario. Yeah. So um Sherrod, you mentioned entrees, and that got me thinking about our good friends at HelloFresh. Our good friends at HelloFresh, guys. So HelloFresh.com slash CLNS free. You want to use the code CLNS free and get free breakfast for life guys what is HelloFresh? you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy fun and affordable that's why it's america's number one meal kit yesterday was sunday let's be honest you sat on the couch and you watched football all day and you didn't go food shopping well that's okay because if you had hello fresh you'd get your food delivered right to your door so you wouldn't have to go waste a sunday at the supermarket and fight through lines and deal with annoying people you wouldn't have to do any of those things Sherrod, right i mean exactly that's, that's, Backs that's my dog. yeah backs my dog exactly so you want to enjoy your sundays you want the food delivered to your door healthy not the takeout trash that, you know, is it, <laughs> is, is it going to fall in line with your New Year's resolutions and your new diet and everything like that? So 
HelloFresh comes in and makes saving time um, your breeziest resolution with quick immediate recipes delivered right to you. You can choose your meals and select your delivery date. They handle the meal planning and shopping. All you have to do is open your weekly box of pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step -step recipes to get to cooking. I know Bobby's had it. And you guys, guys the uh, the the food's legit. It, it's it's better than what you're gonna figure out on your own. Like if you're a bachelor out there and you just don't want to cook, but you want to maybe like start that. You know, at some point, guys, we do have to grow up a little bit. We still have to start cooking things, and I think HelloFresh is a good. Enough with the apps. The, those exactly. stupid apps on your phone, you're like $50 to get Oh my McDonald's. God. You're not even going to say their names because they're <laughs> such a ripoff. And it, it, it's bad. It's getting worse too. So go to HelloFresh.com slash free and use the code free for free breakfast for life. That's one breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash free with code free. I I want to circle back to the trade stuff here. Hold on, you want to talk trades right now? Can we let's let's put the trade stuff. Should we on. put a bow on the game. Yeah, let's put a bow. I just want to bring us back around, and then we'll go back to the trades. But again, okay. Ahmed's got a couple of things here. We were talking about Halliburton's injury um, tonight. Oh man! Just a quick just a quick recap. He went down in the second quarter. He slipped on the floor. He did like a, a split that nobody wants to. No guy wants to do. <laughs> um, and unfortunately um needed to be carried off so it looked nasty you know you talk about player pacers in the playoffs it's probably going to hinge on the severity of that um of that injury so he's going to have an mri they're saying if it's a grade one it's about a one to two week uh, recovery grade two four to eight and grade three um you know nobody wants to hear grade three that's 12 plus weeks and it could be could mean surgery if the tear is you know off the bone. We're talking about a hamstring, I mean a, a groin or whatever. So um, hamstring tear is devastating. Yeah, yeah. So, early early indication there. Obviously, strain. They'll get the MRI. Didn't look good. Not being able to yeah. walk off looks awful. Right. Uh, but you know, no. Just a little bit of time. So, and that wasn't even and that wasn't even a worse injury of the night. Uh, Memphis, John Morant. Yeah. That's another Out thing. Out for the, chat, the season. Chat's been going wild on that one. So Ja Morant, wow. torn labrum. Is labrum, that shoulder, yeah. So that sucks for a Memphis Whoa. team that was really starting to pick things up. I think they had a nice win. Was it last night? Um, that's 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 just sucks, man. I mean, obviously Morant. In the midst had, of an MVP-level season. For Ja Morant? For uh, Halliburton. Okay, we're, yeah, right. So yeah. Ja Morant. Oh, for the year, Halliburton, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, it's toughness for the Grizzlies, who And Morant's had a tough go of things. You know, some of that obviously is self-inflicted. But this one, you know, you never want to see a guy go down with an injury. No. Um, so, hopefully, he makes a full recovery there. Um, so, that's kind of the injury updates from this one. Um, Bobby, I don't know if you've been able to find any quotes floating around Twitter. I know that Buddy Heald, according to Jared Weiss, uh, a tweet, he says, Buddy Heald wouldn't share what he told Joe Missoula, but said that he made some contact with Jalen Brown, yet the officials and replay center made the decision. Now, Amit's, Amit's got his tinfoil hat on, I think, right now, and he's he's poking, he's poking us a little bit. He's sending me info on James Williams, who is the referee that overturned the call on this one. Apparently, James Williams went to high school in Indiana, Sherrod. 
Purdue graduate, Sherrod. So there's a lot of people wondering if there's a little bit of favoritism here. And here's the most damning stat of all. Okay, and this is where FanDuel – I wish I knew this and had jumped on FanDuel before I knew this stat. The Pacers are now – this is according to Amit. So if I'm wrong here, everyone find him. The Pacers are now 35-3 and with James Williams as the head referee in the last five years. That is a hell of a record, Sherrod. 35-3? and They haven't been that good over the last five years. No. What's going Um, on here, Bobby? I'm full conspiracy I don't know. right now. I'm full conspiracy right now. You are, and I'm not. <laughs> I'm I'm not feeling it. These are all facts. Everything. The, are, you, are, you, wait, are you sure? They're 35 and 3. According to Amit, Amit, double check that, please, because that's a pretty wild stat. You know what? Here's yeah. the here's the here's the deal. We already went through it. They put themselves in that position by playing poorly all night. And they were hosed. One of the refs, they uh, healed, hit the ball before he hit Brown's head there. And as Sherrod said earlier, Jimmy, according to the refs, was, what about according to your eyeballs? Was it a devastating foul? What does that mean? He blocked the ball and then follows through and hits his head. That's I, not I, exactly need- what happened. He went up and his arm hit his head at the same time. That the ball was hit. So did it impact the shot in extraordinary? Who cares? Fashion? It doesn't matter. It, for me, yeah. It, it, for me, I, I don't. I don't care about that because it was a. I, I, look, we're going to see the two minute report, and there's a high probability they're going to say, "Oops, we got that call wrong," which means which means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme then or now. Uh, the bottom line is the Celtics. They shouldn't have put themselves in that position. Uh, they should have been better than that because they are the best team in the NBA and they need to show that on nights like this, even when they're less than full strength. And they didn't, they put themselves in predict to, to allow something like this to inject itself into the conversation. Cause if they're up by five or four at that point in the game, yeah, it's a bad call, but it's not going to, it's not going to factor heavily in the outcome. Uh, it's, it's just, it, it becomes more of a speed bump along the road. So that to me is just find a way to get over this. It's you, you can't allow these type of things to consume you. If you're the Celtics, you deal with right. it. You, you put yourself in that position, be better. I mean, Make sure you, know, you could have yeah. went down the other side of the court and gotten a stop and went to overtime. Yeah. I'm um, it's backtracking on his record, his record stat 35 and three. He's, he's totally backtracking on that. So they might not have been 35 and three. That seems, that didn't seem ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> But well, Jimmy, uh, you can you can issue the. Uh, it's an Amit. <laughs> we need to get we need to get Amit on here for an apology cam. If, if Amit <laughs> was schooled, then we need to get him on here for an apology cam. But I still believe that this guy was. Well, now you it, set off the chat that was already angry enough. I still exactly. believe that that he went to high school in Indiana, so that's enough for me to say conspiracy. Well, he's from Indiana, but I I think he spent time in like Memphis. I don't care where he. Freaking hangs his hat. I, I mean, man, well, you, you sort of do because you you because oh. we were having this conversation. I'm trying to figure out where why how the hell he made that call. There's got to be a reason behind it. He's got to be a Pacers fan or something. I, I doesn't make nothing else makes sense to me. Jimmy, the, the other thing I found interesting about this game was just the chippiness of it. And I like that. We're looking forward to 
the end of the month. Obviously, that was Buddy trolling Joe a little bit. Wasn't it interesting? There was some animosity. What, what do you mean, Buddy was trolling Joe? What do you go on? By telling him he followed him. Oh, <laughs> yeah, just being like, oh, we got away with that one. But beyond oh. that, you saw you saw Nemhard chirping at Joe during the game, and then Isaiah Jackson tried to fight Luke Cornett after <laughs> after a post up play. And Luke just kind of walked away. So there was some tension on that Indiana side. Obviously, Neesmith, his normal you know, inspired approach against the Celtics there. Some big plays from him throughout this game. I mean, Indiana gets up for this matchup. There's no doubt about it. And it just feels like these two teams are on a collision course with the playoffs. They're going to play again at the end of the month uh, for the four, fifth, fourth and, or fifth final and final time here. Uh, so another one's coming down the road in a couple of weeks here. And the Indiana, hopefully they'll have Halliburton for that one, but they just continue to challenge the Celtics in a pretty unique way. One that was pretty similar to how the Thunder challenged them last week. So these are two teams emerging with styles that can bother the Celtics here. And I know the chat's pretty upset about Sherrod, but if you want to get on Joe for another thing in this game, they played big for a lot of it. Those yeah. Horn and Horford combinations on the bench. Horford and Porzingis to start and close the game. Uh, those weren't great duos for the Celtics against what the Pacers were doing on the other side. Even with Jalen Smith out there, I mean, he was taking it to Horford at times. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Joe, if we're being honest and candid, has more trust in his bigs than he does his non-rotational wings and, and guards. And, and, and that's why Brad said what he said the other yeah, day, right? And he yeah, had a win. yeah, and he's right. I mean, he, you you have at this point we're almost halfway through this season and there's still trust issues with right. some guys near the end of the bench and it's not because Joe doesn't like them or believe in them it's just that they're just not that good they haven't been good all season uh, and even when they've been given opportunities like tonight to showcase what they can do they come up short this was this was a golden opportunity for you know Svee to have a career night um, and yeah. Man. And Ben, look, I Ben, I think is a nice kid. He's running out of time. I just don't think he's an NBA player. To be very, I mean, I, I think back to some of the, the comments that Nick Nurse made about him, you know, early on, which was very telling. Uh, and I, again, I just, I, I don't know what it is that Joe sees in him, other than the fact that I need a warm body to get out there on the floor who can run an offense. What about Lamar? That Steven? seems to be what it is. I mean. Lamar, that's the mystery one to me. Um, I don't know what I play him. Well, there's there's just something that we don't know that we're not seeing that justifies in in Joe's mind and the mind of that coaching staff why to keep this guy on the bench. Uh, Because when he plays, he's not perfect, but his athleticism and his energy, um, he looks like a guy that if you're looking for a guy to give you something defensively at the wing position and can maybe play a little bit bigger. He's a guy, but that's not happening. They want to play a lot of zone in this one too, which bands used to. And again, that first stint for him was just so bad that they couldn't go back to him. And then, you know, going to Svee, like I mentioned, Jimmy, you're coming in the fourth quarter. I know Scal was hitting on this. It's a tough position to play your first minutes at the start right. of the fourth quarter in a close yeah. game, especially yeah. when you again, typically don't play. And that's why I, I, lean, I lean Joe in my blame pie, and I know you guys kind of did too, but – I just thought there were some weird rotation decisions. I thought the timeout 
again, at the end of the game, we're, that lineup to start the fourth was pretty staggering. <laughs> it, was, it was wild in, in a close game against a team that can score 10 points within 15 seconds. You know, you kind of put your guys behind in that situation and, and they, they had to claw back good for them for doing it. But if we're going to give Jalen Brown criticism, we should give Joe Missoula criticism because they had a timeout to use. Celtics get the ball back on that Pacers miss. Why didn't they call a timeout right off the bat? Draw something up. Good you know, we're, we're, we're criticizing the players for, you know, freestyling out there. But there's Joe Missoula on the sideline, as he's been doing for the last two seasons now, with timeouts that apparently he's saving for another, like, a rainy day. I, I don't know. Draw something up. Call a timeout. Get your guys, like, together on the same page. Drop a play for Sherrod's guy, Derek White, if, if, if that's who should be getting the ball. But they have options on this team to just give the ball to Jalen Brown and say, you know, do your thing. They're better than that. They don't need to do that. They have other opportunities to score, whether it's Porzingis, whether it's White. Holiday was hitting shots tonight. He had one of his best offensive nights. Aside from his boneheaded, I don't know what the guy thought when he thought he could dunk from the free throw line. That was the only criticism I have for Holiday tonight. Uh, and that was a fourth quarter turnover. By the um, way, I want to just show this. I'm not going to play the video here, but look at how this play starts. I mean, you have three guys on Jalen, and White is just screaming for the ball. Right. And as you mentioned, Jimmy, they have a timeout there to use in that spot. This is, so scram- you're Joe, this is what I call scramble mode, Bobby. If you're Joe right here, you could call timeout. Well, I think it. right here, if you're Joe, you're thinking he's going to swing it to the wide yeah. open guy. <laughs> or like, that, right, because, yeah. because if he swings it to, to Derek, Derek has he's, really three options. Either step into a three, step into a three dribble drive, swing it to your left, and then that leads to an Al Horford. Is that Yeah, that's Al Horford in the quarter. Porzingis. Yeah. Who, who do you have there? You have... Porzingis, Porzingis, yeah, Porzingis and Horford, yeah. So you, so if you're, if you swing into Derek White, he's either going to take the shot or he's going to make the assist or the hockey assist. That's what's going to happen. And look at is that uh, someone in there is ignoring Horford. So I mean, they just stacked the deck against Jalen. Yeah. Carlisle was just like everybody get in there and just load up. Well, that's the him. thing. I mean, Bobby, it's like everybody knows what's going to happen. You know. Right. I mean, he swings it to Derek. I mean, that's yeah. You're going to get it. Jalen took a tough shot when you could have swung it and got a great shot, great shot. Right. Because either Derek is going to shoot that, Porzingis is going to shoot it, or Al's going to shoot it. But one of those three guys is going to have a great look. And it goes back to decision making. It goes back to communication. It goes back to coaching. Have the guys with that mindset on the final play. You should know it. If you're not going to call a timeout. It should be because the guys already know. Right. Make what the right play, Jimmy. They say that all the time, and it's not. Sometimes the right you, play, sometimes you, as a coach, have to make the right play and call a timeout, which is the right play. Yes. Sometimes yeah. that has to be the right play when you can't. It, it it's, it's. Um, sometimes you can't assume that these great, phenomenal talents see what you see as a coach. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you've got to actually sit their asses down and say, "Okay, look." Time out. We need to get a really good shot here. Let's draw something up. Um, they clearly weren't organized there. And no. This Why is going to be the debate, Jimmy, going into the playoffs. I think I asked that last game, the level of faith you have in Joe here. This is a team that sometimes I think needs a little bit more of a pull from the sideline, a little bit more structure in these moments especially. And he, he just seems too 
conditioned to let it roll out. I mean, remember game three, I think, of the Philly series last year, Sherrod? Mm-hmm. They, they just let the play run, and they don't even get a shot off at the end of that game. And mm-hmm. I know they learned later with the um, you know white play to end game six, they ended up getting a shot off there out of a timeout. But... Think about this, Bobby. You know who when they are when, at this point. Bobby, when was the last time we had a conversation about a Joe Missoula ATO? We haven't. And, and he does and, have some good ones, but nothing that he, catches your right. eye. He's, he's had some good ones, but but he hasn't done that nearly enough to where it's – when you think about some of the things that are strengths of his, that doesn't come to mind. And it doesn't come to mind because we don't see it. And to me, that's part of, that's part of what you as a coach – should be able to do the guy across from Rick Carlisle, hell of an ATO guy. Mm-hmm. I, and I've and, and the Rick Rick's one of those coaches. Sometimes he will call a timeout like after his team is down 4-0 to start a game because he he's sensing that this 4-0 run is about to become a 10-0 run because my guys they need to reset and recalibrate and I need to get their minds right. Joe, he's he's a player's coach, but sometimes you need to be a coach and not just a player's coach. Uh, and sometimes I, th- I think Joe gets a little too comfortable. It's the rigidness, Sherrod. They do good stuff all game. Again, they did a lot of nice stuff in this game to put themselves in yeah. position to win late, uh, but you squander it with some late-game execution issues. And, I, I, and, I, and again, to go back to the game as a whole, it's the defense that cost them this one tonight. Right. But on that play specifically, the last two plays, they did not execute well in those spots. Yeah, and, I, I j- yeah, Joe, he just needs to get, I think, a little bit better in getting a better pulse for when he needs to take the reins and just say, look, this is what we're going to do. Uh, I know this is what you've been doing, what's been working, but we kind of need very specific things to happen down a stretch. Like we need to get great shots in the last minute of play. And you attacking their defense with three defenders just sitting waiting for you, that ain't a great shot. Uh, particularly if you swing it up top and we got literally three different guys that can that will have one of the three will have an opening and, look. And, and again, I know the chat's like, oh, you... Jimmy, we said in the chat before they even reversed the call, what was he doing there? So it wasn't about the foul call or the reversal or anything like that. We said from the start, even before they overturned it, that wasn't great. Even when it looked like it was about to turn into two free throws potentially for the game right there. Right. So you have to compartmentalize both things. You have, right. to, be able to, you have to be able to say, okay, it wasn't a good decision to to dribble into that you know corner basically baseline and, and you kind of had blinders on um, in that situation. Got lucky with the call and then got unlucky with the reversal. So a lot of things happened, but you don't have to like any of it. Now, one thing I will disagree a little bit with you guys is, you know, you guys say, oh, they shouldn't have put themselves in that position. I actually thought that overall, and again, aside from that third quarter <laughs> quarter stretch. <laughs> I thought they played pretty good basketball as a team tonight. What are you laughing at over there? Uh, the Jalen comment. It's coming in. Okay. Yeah. So we got Jalen Brown is is um, um, now speaking. Uh, uh, I, what do you got quotes from? Um, here, here's a tweet from Jared, Jared Weiss. Uh, Jalen Brown, I think he obviously hit me in the head. We definitely can do some investigation. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. I've never heard – I've never heard head – head is part of the ball <laughs> wow and then, and then he said the ref told him that he did not get hit in the head 
So I don't know what, again, I don't know what the ref was watching if he says Jalen Brown didn't get hit on the head, but good for Jalen Brown for actually saying something. Uh, and then again, from Adam, Adam Himmelsbach, I know I got hit in the head. I think that needs to be investigated. It cost my team the game and I'm pissed about it. That Take that, Bobby. You don't think that cost in the game? Well, Jalen Brown says, I disagree. It did cost us the game. So, Well, who's going to uh, investigate it? Well, luckily, we have the, the last two-minute report will come out tomorrow. <laughs> <for an> investigation. <laughs> which will do absolutely nothing and change It's going to be nothing. thorough. Right. But Listen, I think- calls go against you, and it is shocking, right, Jimmy? Because... Don't, 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 don't loot me in with this. Don't loot me in. You're Jimmy, come here, Jimmy. Come yeah, here. Right, Jimmy? Right, right. Oh, no. You're on Bobby Island right now with, with Cornette. <laughs> the call, and Limit Squares. The call on the floor was foul. I And that should be the benefit of the doubt in that situation. There's no clear indication. Obviously, that's what they're going to say, Jimmy. There's gonna, they're going to say they didn't see contact to the head there. We saw contact to the head. I, can we? I would. Right. We, I would replay I'm it, but you. I think it would probably get like removed from YouTube if we did it. But everyone needs to just go on Twitter and rewatch that last play. And it's very clear that Buddy Heald's forearm makes contact with Jalen Brown's head. I've seen way less contact call the foul, Sherrod, especially in a review situation. Again, if they missed it live and there wasn't a review, you throw your hands up and say, "Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of contact there, but what are you going to do?" They called it a foul and then reviewed it, saw that it was a foul, and then overturned it. That's mm-hmm. the part that I can't wrap my head around. That's what's driving everybody crazy, and that's why yeah. I almost had Scal jumping over the, the – That's not how it should go, right. Yeah, if you have a call on the floor and there's inconclusive evidence, you stick with the call on the floor. And, you know, across sports, I feel like there should be like a clock – that if it hits a number on the clock and you don't have a call by then, it just stands. Right, right. So it's a very strange one. I get why people it's are It's almost about like they one. just didn't see – they didn't look at his head. It's almost like they were just focused on whether or not a hand hit the ball. And it's like they just failed to look at the other but half. But according to Jalen, they're saying that they didn't see it hit the head. And, yeah, maybe they weren't paying attention to that, Jimmy. Maybe they weren't reviewing for that, and they just looked at the hand. Right. Uh, that that would be the explanation, right? That they weren't looking That's at That's all head, I so. can all I can possibly think. So, anyways, you know, I we we, we had to we had again, I don't want uh, there was more to this game, but this is what the players care about, this is what the coaches care about. This is what No, I get it in this hell case. The, even the opponents are are talking about it. So, <laughs> it's not something that's just going to go away. It's I'm not often at- it's not often you hear the opponent say we got away with one. <laughs> Right, like as they're um, walking off. Um, look, I'm I'm watching the replay on on uh, X right now from someone who posted it, mm-hmm. and you can see, like, literally, you can see Jalen's head move. Yeah, he might have a gun? bump. He might actually have a bump. If I'm Jalen Brown, I'm walking around with an ice pack right now. I'm going. <laughs> I'm doing the Paul Pierce shot. Because you can see, yeah, Pierce. you can see, J- and that's why Jalen was so confident because you literally see when his forearm comes across his head, the head tilts to the left. Yeah. If yeah. I'm Jalen Brown, and this is very petty, but I just, I'm a petty. I'm going. I'm I'm rolling up to the interview with a big ice pack on my head, like when Paul Pierce did did it against the Pacers too. I think that was against the Pacers. Remember when Paul? This was probably oh same ref. Yeah. This was no. before Sherrod. <laughs> this was before Sherrod was covering the Celtics. I think he was in Detroit, but way back in the early years, Paul Pierce got hit in the head. It wasn't. Him and Al Harrington used to go at it. Yeah. And he showed up to the press conference with like 
a wrap around his head and just made a big ordeal about the fact that he got screwed <laughs> out of a call. I think that's what Jalen Brown should have done, but it is, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's sour grapes, I guess now, but it's still something that, um, you know, we're going to be talking about. And again, on to the next one. Three biggest issues from tonight go free throws, ability to slow the game down as we talked free about to me, and execute in the half court. And then yep. on top yep. of that, your depth. Well, to, to me, late game execution uh, was the, for me, that was one of the bigger takeaways. They just didn't, they, I would didn't say make the, they didn't make the smart plays when they needed to make them. But they, yeah, those ball those control too. But before the before that shot, I mean, it was a three point shootout. They were, I mean, shots were falling. It was a great, you know, final stretch of minutes there that unfortunately is overshadowed by the way it ended. But that's why I'm like a little hesitant to say, oh, like they shouldn't have been in that position. I give Indiana a ton of credit for playing yeah. the way they played, and I don't necessarily think that that was a Celtics issue. I do think that there was a, a little bit of a stretch where the Celtics didn't come out as hard as they needed to in that third quarter. And that's mm-hmm. been a pattern, I think a little bit for them. Um, maybe they thought that they could run away with it with Halliburton out, but once McConnell went into that game and I was surprised when they took McConnell out, I was surprised it took him so long to bring it back in in the fourth because what he did for them was just almost in a way mimic Halliburton's up-tempo style. I mean, McConnell it just, caught them off guard. There's no doubt. Them, about I mean, it. he was racing up and down the. He was just laying. It was a layup drill for McConnell at, at times. He and he's so good defensively. Remember that stretch where they had uh, I forget who it was. Holiday. They had him like tumbling back to half court with ball pressure, and he yeah. got the back court call. That there. was the turnover there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think the, he he definitely caught them off guard, and that was a again that was a great coaching uh, move on he's there. He's really good. I mean, there's been some teams around the underrated. I know the Suns were super into him a year or two ago, and. I'm sure there was interest elsewhere in him. I always wanted the Celtics to go for him. I thought that it might happen, but it's too late now. But <laughs> a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, but he's so. just been one of those guys. That That's his game. I mean, when he gets that ability. When he was on the Sixers, that was his game. You know, like he just – he's just all over the place. And, and, again, let's put this in perspective. Celtics come out of this one loss with Tatum down, feeling bad about a call. The Pacers come out of this not knowing if their best player is going to be back anytime soon. So that's just a killer for them. This was really becoming a fun back and forth to start this season. Obviously, they played in the tournament. I hope he's okay. I hope we see this matchup in the playoffs. It'd be really fun. That crowd tonight was great. And they just continue to play great games going back to last year. So to see if Halliburton goes down and that team struggles to keep it together the rest of the way, this is... This is tough, but, you know, we'll wait and see what the prognosis is on that injury. I did want to ask you before we get out of here, Shrad, though, does tonight make you feel any more like this team needs to make a move? And what type of move are you looking at with the deadline a month away here? It doesn't make me feel any more uh, wanting them or expecting them to make a move because they didn't play with Tatum and didn't play with Sam. And whatever move you make, you're not going to get someone that could fill the void if you don't have Sam or, or Tatum around. So, no. It doesn't make me any more, uh, you know, bullish on them them shaking things up a little bit. But I, I think Brad understands that uh, you want to stack the deck as much as you can with as much talent as you can that 
can play the roles that you understand or that you feel you need to have in order to win a championship. And so they will continue to look for that big wing uh, that, but that big wing is not, I don't think necessarily going to be someone who can go out there and get you 25 points uh, because those big wings are not available. Uh, I think it's going to be someone that's a little bit more on the defensive side of things who can make an open jump shot. I think that's what you're looking for. Someone who can come in there, give you some minutes at that, that three, four spot, maybe a little two guard, uh, who can defend and, and make an open jump shot. You know who you're describing, Sherrod? And it's it's pertinent with Morant just going down. If Memphis cool. falls out of this, I think John Conchar is a really good fit here. Yeah, he can work. That's And that's who he is. That's that's his game. He what does all take, the things you just mentioned. Take, it's, he fits the TP. He's signed for multiple seasons. A first? Oh, hell no. I'm not giving no damn first round pick for him. We, we forgot Bobby doesn't give a bad <laughs> ass about that. <laughs> but what else are you going to offer? Sure you, get if that's, you get it first. If, if that's a first round, it's got to be one of those so conditional ones that, that, yeah. that becomes like a you know couple of second round picks if it doesn't fall into, within a certain range. That I, I can I can live with, but I'm not. No, no, no. A, a first round pick for a guy that might be your knife rotation guy well what'd they give up for uh yeah, what the hell are you talking seconds. about man it's two seconds right damn it Bobby. yeah that's what i'm saying damn it bobby i should tang with you after that <laughs> no first round pick for a guy that uh, so what are for we a talking? guy that two? half the leagues ne- half of the nba fans have probably never heard of two jimmy do not do that jimmy no i'm not two, going to but he's testing. two or three seconds then testing me yeah i could no two most Dude, I don't hell no. can have all the seconds. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Although I'm sure that they matter now because of like salary cap purposes right. and all that shit. Maybe so, two. I can they do, do I can need their two. first. You're right. They got to hold on to their first if they can. Um, but again, beyond Brissett, who we'll see. He's, he's who he is. He's, he's showing a little something right now, but you're right. He is what he is. It, there's nothing below those guys. I know people keep kicking around Walsh. That's not happening this year. He hasn't I like to keep Kato. I'd like to keep Kata, figure out a way to make that happen. Yeah, and he's, you know, they look at him as the fourth guy right now unless they right. were going to move on from Luke. Uh, and then, you know, you got your Shvies and Bands and Lamar doesn't seem like he's part of this mix right now. So you're going right. down to Brissett in terms of who this team trusts. And once you get beyond that, the bench hasn't developed enough trust in terms of you. And no. again, we're, we're nitpicking now and something catastrophic would have to happen to get to this point. But the Shvies, Banton... Lamar portion of this bench hasn't proven it's, uh, itself Expendable. enough to be able to, you know, contribute. And, you know, Jimmy, you could potentially, if you see a buyout guy you like, trade two or three of those guys just to offset the money for a guy like Conchar if you're not going right. to use those guys anyway. And then you can go out and right. get a buyout guy. All That's that has what to I happen. think happens. Yeah, all that has to happen is that that guy makes less than $12 million And old friend Kelly O. Yes. An old yeah. friend, Kelly Olenek, as well as Chris Boucher, who's probably not a bio guy, but Kelly Olenek in the last year of his deal, he fits the bill. Yeah. And he obviously, when we talked to him the other day, sounded like he was interested in a reunion. So uh, would Danny help them out and bail him out, let him go to the Celtics? That'd be a real impact scoring upgrade on the bench, wouldn't it, Sherrod? But yeah, but you, you I have to understand and remember we're talking about Danny. And so, like you're willing, <laughs> like like you're open to giving up a first round pick. Danny's gonna want like three 
uh, for Kelly or something insane <laughs> like that. But he's an oh, expiring deal, which makes it a little different than it was a year ago. You think you think Danny cares about that? <laughs> Come Speaking on. Of, I don't uh, know Danny to ever buy out an expiring guy. That's for sure. You mentioned the Grizzlies, Bobby. And I think, you know, it's safe to say that without Morant, they're dead in the water this year. Plus Adams, plus Clark. Right. They, they were already banged up to begin with. Morant gave him a nice, a nice, you know, little little run there and they were going to be a tough out if, if anything mm-hmm. with Morano and you know they traded for Marcus Smart for a reason thinking that pairing with Morant get a little bit of a winning culture in there make a run at things that's not happening this year and I guess what my question is does Marcus Smart become uh, a hot commodity at the trade deadline not talking about Celtics but just around the league could there be a situation where he finds himself back in the Eastern Conference on a on a contending team um, because all of a sudden the Grizzlies are selling, you know, and, and he's a guy that I think a lot of playoff teams or fringe playoff teams or contenders would add to that mix and give you that same thing that the Grizzlies thought they were going to get for, for their team, you know, hard nosed player, defense intensity um, plays hard, wants to win, blah, blah, blah. We don't need to go over all the, all the things, but is this now a situation where the Celtics could, could find themselves, playing against an old friend uh, in the, in the playoffs, maybe. I can't see it. They'd have to get blown away. And I don't think anyone's blowing them away. There's one team that, that stands out to me that could use a a defensive player. And I think, you know, which one I'm talking about. Miami. No better. Really? Bucks. Yes. Yeah. Bucks have nothing to offer. They'd have to be blown away. And the Bucks certainly aren't blowing them away with Bobby Porter's or whatever they'd be giving up in that deal. Uh, you think picks? of Philly. What about picks? Yeah. They don't have Phil- picks. Philly have all their picks. Oh, yeah. okay. There you go. So Bucks can't make any upgrades. They might get a buyout guy, but we always know how that goes. It's someone in So you said Heat. Though. Were they Heat an option? Heat do have some stuff Heat to offer. Heat needs shooting, though. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What do they need another Marcus Smart guy for? No, the Heat wouldn't be able to blow them away. Philly wouldn't be able to blow them away, I don't think, unless they really target that guy. Is the, wouldn't that be something if Smart ended up on Philly? Philly, man, Maxi <laughs> and Smart. Ooh. <laughs> that would be weird. We thought it was weird seeing Horford in a Philly jersey. But, no, I mean, Sherrod, how do you look at it? Because they're pr- going to want to run this back next year with everybody. I'd yeah, I, I, I think Memphis is just going to take just, a red shirt, call yeah. it a red shirt year, and just you know get a high draft pick this year uh, and yeah. – just run it back and see what they – because they still have no idea what their full complement of players looks like. And I think that they haven't seen enough of Marcus Smart to feel as though this will work. Uh, in fact, you know, in the, in the small snapshot we saw with Marcus and Job playing together, they look pretty damn good. So I think right. you'll see them – I think you'll see them run it back. I, I think they'll listen, certainly, to offers. But to your point, Bobby, I think someone would have to come with some like, look, we want Marcus and we're going to give you two – first round picks and we'll give you a player swap on another pick and uh first round pick in another year and and, and something like that it's like well, yeah especially yeah. since they gave up tyus jones and two first to get him right so they paid a hefty sum to get him they'd have to be blown away in terms of future future assets to right. uh turn back on that plus i don't think they're in the business of looking to the future now they have to start to think about how can they make this work in the near term heading into next year, because this is just a tough year for them to lose. Yeah. Here. This really looked like the year where they were going to build on the two seed last season. I the thought they were the, they've made. Yeah. And, 
they were the team that they were my surprise team of the year. The team that no one was talking about that could make some noise because of, of the success they had last year. And you add a defensive, you know, pest like Marcus to the mix. It, it made a lot of sense that they would be a problem for teams. But obviously the injuries, uh, it's just they have just some questions. Yeah. They have some questions. I could see them doing a bunch of stuff, but smart trade. I can't see. And of, of course, the Celtics can't trade for him because uh, they gave him up in the same year. So right. you can cross that's that off the list. Not happening. Yeah. Let's not, let's not start that talk up. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else guys about this game? We've gone for an hour 20. I'm sure we, you guys no, wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Move on to Timber Pops. who are no longer the Timber Pops. They're wolves, man. Big badass wolves at this yeah. point. That's a They've rematch. been struggling a little bit recently, though, right? I will look yeah. at their recent scores here. They're, they're still, they're still top three. They're still top three in the West. Um, and they gave the Celtics a lot of trouble in that game earlier in the year with their length yeah. and ability to throw multiple guys at both Tatum and Brown when you think of Edwards, who was excellent in that game, and mm-hmm. McDaniels, who's an all-defensive guy. Rudy, far, far away front runner for defensive player of the year right now. They're playing double big, so... Celtics don't have a great advantage if that's a look they're going to there. You're going to be want to be fully healthy for this game. If, if you're shorthanded yeah. here, Minnesota just has too much stuff to throw at you. Uh, and they lost to the Mavericks yesterday, beat up on the Rockets the game before that, lost to the Pelicans, lost to the Knicks. So they've lost three or four coming into this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they actually play tomorrow in Orlando. So they're All coming right. into Boston on a back-to-back. Back, yep. Ooh, okay. Yeah, it's a tough stretch for them. It's a tough stretch for the Celtics because then they got the Bucks the next night, Thursday, yep. right? So I will be there, Jimmy. Pacers, Pacers, Timber Pups, and Bucks. You're going to be in Milwaukee? Yep, flying to wow. Chicago, the taking return. the train up. Your old stomping grounds. You and Joe Sway had a, had some fun out there last uh, playoffs. Milwaukee? Yeah. Uh, two playoffs ago. Yeah, oh, that was ago. fun. Yeah, two ago. They all run together now. They do. But, um, they do. Yeah, a couple of big games coming up here. So, um, are you any concerned for Tatum? Didn't play tonight. I know, Bobby, you kind of hung on on to what Missoula said. Or... Yeah, and Missoula is not great with the medical update, so he might have misspoke here. But he said pregame Tatum had a severe ankle sprain, and uh, he played through it. And it yeah. was weird how it lingered. He certainly needed a couple off games at this point. Uh, it hurt in that um, – Sacramento game I want to say right after the Warriors game where he suffered it so it's a little while ago that he mm-hmm. suffered that now at the beginning of that West Coast trip it's mid-December we're talking January 8th now still dealing with the effects of it so you know what you always say Sherrod take a little time off here if you need it yeah. like don't just keep pushing through it the this, team can clearly get by as you saw tonight this is the time to do it better to take off now than take off in April and you know he's not skipping the All-Star game. <laughs> well, hell no. That's not happening. Tatum will get that check. <laughs> and play well. Yeah. So. All right. So that'll do it. Once again, we want to thank our great sponsors, um, FanDuel. Again, guys, don't forget, you can do a $5 bet, and you can get $150 in bonus bucks when you go to FanDuel.com slash Boston. And then... HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com slash CLNSFree, use code CLNSFree, and get breakfast for life. That is going to do it for us. Oh, yeah, we're not going to talk about it, but no no big Patriots news today, so we're on a wait-and-see mode there to see what goes on with the Pats. Um, but just definitely keep it locked on, CLNS, whether it's Celtics, Patriots, we're going to be going live at the moment anything happens 
Uh, one way or the other Patriots with the Patriots. Press pass is what yes, you exactly. Go. Patriots press pass. John Zanis will be on there uh, with Taylor. He's outside Gillette right now, I think. Yeah, just is he? Just, just, just ready to go. <laughs> Love it. That's that's the John we know. Back Michigan's here, about to get the natty. Michigan's Michigan. about to get the natty. So, yep. you know, if Michigan fans would be insufferable for a while, as they usually are. Back Any here, Michigan the players on the Celtics? I don't think so, right? No. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, no. Al's from Michigan, but he's a Gator. Yeah. He's a Gator. He's a Gator. Tom Brady. It's only the only guy I can think of that matters. Yeah. But back here, Celtics fall. 133-131. Nuts and bolts. We got screwed by the refs tonight in the final plays of this game. We're not going to be forgetting <laughs> about that. On to the Timberwolves. But we will rise on to the Timberwolves Wednesday. We will be back here after the game, so make sure you guys come on back and hang out with us. Again, I'm Jimmy. That's Bobby. That's Sherrod. Thank you, guys. We will see you.